Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be taking a look at Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig, and we're also going to be I say we, but Natasha is going to be reviewing Super Mega Lucky Box. Super yeah. Box Lug- Mega Lucky? What is no. it called? Oh, you got it right the first time. Super Mega Lucky Box. It's a roll and write. A reveal and write. I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, what kind of other super pinball crazy eights kind of game we're talking here, you know? <laughs> I don't I don't know. You'd like this one. I'm excited to talk about it. I think you should try it. You think I would? Like yeah. legit? It's a Phil Walker Harding game. Ooh, yeah, I might. I do like his stuff. There, like I said, it's, for the most part, most of his stuff is like extremely streamlined, which I really like. But in the discussion topic, before we get into anything else, let's talk about the, what we're talking about in this episode, right? Sure. So the discussion topic this week is going to be a top 10 list that I've made top 10 co-op games. So we'll be discussing that. Before we do any sort of reviews, I did want to bring up something that I've played and it's been a long time coming. And that is Ready, Set, Bet. You finally got to play it. I finally got to play Ready, Set, Bet. And I love how you acted surprised, you know, considering I played it with you. I forgot. That so, <laughs> was a while ago. You, that wasn't that long ago. Um, <laughs> so, oh, Ready, Set, Bet. Interesting game. Normally, I'm not a big fan of real-time games, but this was fun. It was a good time. Like, it was, it was enjoyable. Just throwing your chips down. I think the person who was running the horses did a really good job of just like, you know, eights in the lead. Oh, my God. We got seven coming up. Boxcars, snake guys, just, you know, doing all those, you know, old timey betting it's type. fun to have somebody running the game and doing it well. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend that. I have not experienced it with the app, obviously. I've only ever experienced it with a person calling out the the race or whatever, but. It was fun. It was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be considering, you know, the real time aspect of it. But it was, yeah, it was good. I liked it quite a bit, a lot more than I thought I would. So ready, set, bet. Pretty solid game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. But it, it is fun. Like the app, like there's some pre-recorded ones where they have like all that same time, uh, same kind of um, verbiage. It's really fun to listen to, but it's like the same every time you listen to it. So it's, it's only one good for one time, one time. But then uh, then you can do the all these random scenarios, but they don't sound as good as if somebody were really doing it because it's like uh, they're reacting to each role individually, not the whole game itself. You know, uh, so it's yeah, fun to have sure. somebody comment and go, oh, seven's in the lead. Like, you know what I mean? It's fun to have like commentary. Yeah, it, it was fun watching the person roll because they weren't playing the game. They were just rolling dice and moving it. And uh-huh. he's the one who brought the game, but he's like, no, you guys go ahead and play. I'm just going to, because he runs it for his students, I guess, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And just like, yeah, just how excited he was about like, oh my God, eight's in the lead up. Oh, nine, is nine going to beat out six? You know, just going through all that. I think, I think having a person who can do that is truly going to make this game better for the people who are participating. Yeah. The The downfall is you got to have somebody who isn't actually playing the game. They're just like facilitating the game sort of you know but that's fun like it's kind of a fun thing if, if you enjoy that it could be fun I, I can see not everyone's gonna have fun doing that but if you like to be you know kind of a showman it's a fun little yeah. job to do yeah agreed yeah 
So they did a good job. I liked it. It was fun. Finally got a chance to play it. It's been one of those games. It was right up there with like Foundations of Rome, of a game I needed to play, but I hadn't gotten a chance to play it yet. Well, Mm -hmm. got a chance to play it. So good game. Solid game. I'm going to pick it up once they come out with a second version. Better quality. Do you really think they're going to? I mean, it's like one of words and stuff. But it's such a garbage like quality game. You and, could and like, make your own. Just a nice deluxe version would be so nice. If you went to Etsy and bought deluxified components for this, you could basically just have your own game. You wouldn't even need to buy the game. Yeah. Well, you could buy the game because then you you get the cards and the. Oh, that's right. You need cards. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you yeah, do you the... buy the game. Yeah, and then and then get a neoprene mat, and then you got to get poker chips instead of cardboard tokens. And then you got to get something for the horses. So like Tom Basil, he had somebody, somebody made him this whole thing with the horses where he can hit it with his finger and it's magnetic. So it go, clicks right to the next spot. And it's really big. So you can see exactly where the horses are. But the little thing that the horses come on is like not great. But I, I guess I, I get that not being in the, ba- the deluxified game. But man, is it nice when you play that fancy version. I wonder how much it would cost just to... Buy this game and then upgrade it to the fancy version. Like, how much do you love Ready, Set, Bet that you're willing to get a super nice version? Because I don't think AEG is going to come out with some deluxified version of this game for you. Even you know? just if all they did was replace the tokens with with um poker chips, that would be fine. I think you're going to have to do that on your own. I don't think they're going to. They got to keep that price point down. There's no way. I guess. There's no way. You could just replace them yourself. If they redid the game, they would need to like almost re not redo like the artwork so it doesn't look like a game from nineteen ninety two. Yeah, and yeah, you know that's everything the... but it's so ugly. It's such a shame. The only other game I can think that falls into the same kind of line where I really like the mechanics, but it overall just the quality of everything doesn't seem very good is Ethnos. It's like right up there. Like people don't like the artwork. I think the artwork's fine. It kind of reminds me of that old school, like dark fantasy kind of artwork, whatever. I don't care. Somebody made a comment. I think maybe Roy Kennedy, when he was doing his like top 100 games of all time, he was talking about how you're, you have this like darker board, but then you have these really bright fluorescent. Like uh, pastel colors. Yeah. <laughs> going on to the like different spots to do it. But the gameplay is so good. I, I'm I'm really excited for the new version. Yeah, they'll do a new one already set, but I bet. I would be bat money would you, on that. Would you ready set bet it? I would be ready to bet. I'm ready. Oh, I haven't bought I haven't bought ready set bet. And I think it it's a fun game like to have teenagers and play with a bunch of teenagers in the, at school. It'd be a fun game to have at school if you're a teacher. Yeah. For somebody who doesn't buy that many games, is this a game like legit you wanna pick up and own? Not, not really. I don't know. It, I would like. It's just such an ugly game. What if? Okay, if they if they kickstarted a version of it. No, I that would. Well, I would buy it from the game store. If the game store <laughs> kickstarted it. But would you contact our local game store and be like, "Hey, did you back this? I want a copy." Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. That uh, that all tracks. <laughs> That's the amount of effort I'd put into it. Bare minimum. Just like you do with this podcast. All right, moving on. Let's <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> you ain't lying. Um, oh man. Uh anywho, let's let's t- let's review some games, huh? So the first game I want to talk about is Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. So this is gonna be a mashup between 
between two cities and the castles of Mad King Ludwig. This is designed by Ben Rosette and Matthew O'Malley and then published by Stonemeyer Games. So in this, the king uh, from your kingdom has demanded a castle. Players are world-renowned builders who have been asked by the Mad King to help design his castles. But projects of this sort require the expertise of more than one builder. So this is a tile drafting game where you and the players to both sides of you will be building a castle together. This game is going to be played over the course of two rounds. At the start of each round, players will be dealt nine tiles. Each player then secretly chooses two tiles and places the remaining tiles to their left. Next, players will reveal their tiles and move into the final step, which is placement. This is where you and the players to both sides of you have some decisions to make. You discuss where to place the tiles both of you have drafted. Each castle will get one of the two tiles you drafted, so each castle will get at least two tiles, one from you and one from your partner. This is the between two cities portion of the game. The castles of Mad King Ludwig part is that each tile was scored based on different things in your castle. So there are going to be seven different room tiles, and they each score differently. If you ever place the third room of one type, you get a bonus of some kind. Could be a special room, drawing a new uh, stack of tiles and choosing one of those to place, things like that. Once players have drafted all but one of the tiles, players will move into round two. This is identical to round one, except that you will be sending your stack of tiles to your right now. After all players have finished, you moved into scoring. This is where the twist comes in. A player's final score is the lowest of the two castles they have built. So if I built a castle that scored 51 points and 47 points, my final score is 47. And whoever has the highest score wins. I think what makes this game interesting is that you're working with both your partners to build a high-scoring castle, but you really have to balance each castle so you aren't scoring one like ridiculously high while ignoring the other one. Yeah, I really like the theme because I love Mad- Castles of Mad King Ludwig and the rooms in this game play exactly like the rooms in the original Castles of Mad King Ludwig. So I really like that. I like the theme and how it all kind of comes together. It, but the they're all square tiles. So they're, it's you know, it's not the same as the Castle of Mad King Ludwig where you're kind of more, it's more polyomino where you have unique shapes and stuff where this is all squares. It's just a matter of where you place them. So I really like that part of it. I don't mm-hmm. love, I don't find that that the lowest of your castles scores that terribly interesting because I always just find the best tile for each of my castles, right? Like, I'm not, it's not like I have one, I very rarely do I have one tile that's like, oh my gosh, this tile is so good for both of my castles. I should put it on the lowest one. That would make sense. And that would be an interesting, you know, that might make it feel like you're focusing on trying to get you each of your castle, you know, your your lowest castle up. But in reality, you're just trying to get the most points on both of your castles. So I don't think that part of it is terribly that interesting because usually you'll get, because as you're building your castles, they'll each start scoring differently. So there's, uh, there's usually very obvious, like, okay, this one's best for this castle, this one's best for this castle. Or none of these are really great for this castle. That just sucks, you know? So I don't think that the game mechanic, the main mechanic of between where you're working with a partner on either side of you and the lowest one scores. I don't think that whole thing is terribly interesting. Do you enjoy interacting with the people on either side of you and working cooperatively to build a castle? Do you like that part at all? I I don't mind it. I don't dislike it, but I don't find it interesting. I've chosen the tile that's going to go on that side. And and technically you choose two tiles and you can work like, which one do you think is best for this? Which one do you think is best? But at that point I've already figured it out. Like I know that this tile is going to go with this 
castle and this tile is going to go with this castle. And there's an obvious spot to where it goes. So it's not like, it's not like, and sometimes it might change depending on what they've picked. And okay, well, we want this adjacent now. It's fine. It's, I don't dislike it. I just don't think it's interesting. I think those decisions happen earlier on in the game as opposed to later on in the game. Because very early on, things are pretty open. You get just a basic like throne room, I think, which is going to have a scoring condition on it. So it kind of like nudges you in a direction. But yeah, I think which is once nice. you. Right. But I think initially when you start drafting the tiles and start placing them, the castles start forming a scoring opportunity that you're trying to just maximize at that point. So I think a lot of the decisions early on are the decisions of, okay, I've drafted these tiles, which one, where do they go? I think mm -hmm. as the game progresses, there's less less choices to pick from for each castle. You kind of have a general idea of what you're trying to go for, like you said. Yeah. So yeah. I think it gets less interesting as the game progresses. So I do agree with that. Like, I think it's an interesting twist that you score the lowest. It kind of reminds me of like Prodigal's Club, right? Where you, mm -hmm. have to, you have to make sure you're focusing on everything. Otherwise, if you just put all your efforts into one thing, you're just not going to be successful. So I do mm -hmm. like that. But I do agree that the choices over time are less interesting than, than the beginning part of the game. I like a little bit that you you're like, okay, both of these tiles would be really good for this castle. I'll take this one and hope my partner chooses the next one, which yep. I so I like the saving then. But you're only saving the one side of your partner and you're relying on your you know, the other one's coming from this the opposite side. So it's not like you're doing that for both of your partners. So it's I like the drafting part and then like hope you know, if there's decision to be made, I can't decide, I'll just pass it along and then they'll be able to pick it so that's cool and i like the building the castle and how they all play off of each other the puzzliness of picking the tile and where to place it i just don't think that the building two castles with your partner on either side is that terribly interesting have you played between two cities no i haven't okay neither have i uh and if i'm being honest one of the main deterrents for me is that whole concept of building both things on either side because you you hit the nail on the head when you talked about passing the tiles and yeah, like in round one, you know, passing to the left, you're only ever like influencing that partner or trying to influence that partner, but it's the reverse in the second round. So you get an opportunity to do it with your other partner, just one round or the other. And I've done that where I've looked at a set of tiles and I like, Oh, if I place this one first and then this person drafts, you know, this tile, I think that's going to be a better scoring opportunity, but it needs to be sequenced such that this tile's placed before this tile. So I'm going to mm -hmm. draft this and hopefully my partner sees that. So I, d I do think you do get that just in different rounds, but you're banking on them to get the tile you want them to, or to draft the tile you want them to draft. And mm -hmm. sometimes they don't see it. Yeah. You know, like they're just not going to. And like, do you say, hey, there's a tile in the next pile that's going to be really good? You know, do you mm -hmm. do that table talk? I don't think so. I I know I didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kind of let I, we my We kind of had a plan that. like, okay, let's look for this, this, these tiles with this shape. We'll put, try to get them here. And then we're also going to go for these rooms, you know, up here. Like that'll be our plan, you know, so we've yep. kind of picked out a plan. And like, if those tiles come up, we're going to try to get these types of tiles. You know, but it, you know, yeah, I, I like, I like it because I like the theme and I like the tiling part of it. I think that's really fun. You know, if, if you like the interacting with your partners, I think you'll probably like it more than I, I do. 
which is interesting that you bring that up because normally I like having that cooperative play. I we're I'm doing my top ten co-op games, right? I love cooperative style games, but something mm-hmm. like this just doesn't click with me. Having to interact with two different people because we're almost working on two different problems, you know, trying to solve stuff. I didn't find the tile placement super interesting. Me personally, I liked the tile placement in the in the original Castles of Mad King Ludwig just because they were different shapes and there was a little bit more puzzly aspect of how you were going to align the doors and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I think there was more to it than that. This, like it's, you just place a tile adjacent to that and then you're going to score based on adjacency. Sometimes it's just like it it needs to go here. Like there's no, let's, oh, where's the best place to put it? I felt like some of those decisions just kind of played themselves. Not all the time, but every now and again, you'd get a tile and be like, well, it's, I mean, clearly it needs to go here. That's where it's going to score the most points. Yeah, there's no discussion there. There's no right. figuring things out. Or, yep. Yeah. So it's the, that whole idea of trying to discuss, you know, sometimes you're just not getting that, you know, conversation of what's the best move to make, that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like we're kind of crapping on this game a little bit. The production quality, I think, is really good. They they did a really good job with the the game trays in it, being able to pull those tiles. It makes it very simple. It's easy to get out, easy to set up, and it plays a really high player count. And it plays yep. well at that high player count. It's not overly complicated. It's pretty quick, too, you know? Yep. It's It'd be easy to teach brand new players. It's a fairly light game. I think the, it's very light rules. Um, it's It's really intuitive the way the, the tiles are placed it's not complicated it's not hard to figure anything out i i think the game is 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 very good it's compl- it's re- very good game i enjoy playing it i played it quite a few times now and i've always enjoyed it but i've never thought oh i want to play it again you yeah. know what i mean i've yep. never thought oh let's play it again and see if i can do better like i love castles of Mad king ludwig that's one of my favorite games of all time and i like this game because it has that same theme but I just don't think it's near as interesting. Yeah, I I agree. I think Jamie did a really good job with the production value. Like I said, the game trays are good. Uh, The scoring pad, like you said, talk about intuitive. That scoring pad does a really good job of walking you through scoring each of your building types or room types. So it it makes it pretty simple to go through and score stuff, which Mm -hmm. which is super helpful. You know, having a nice scoring pad like that makes it just cuts down on the confusion. So... I agree that I think it would be really good for new players. If I'm coming in at a rating, I'm going to come in at a six. I think I mirror a lot of what you were saying. I I think the game can be pretty solid. I think it would be good for new players. It just doesn't click with me. The building between the two people and like trying to be cooperative, like it's not cooperative enough to make me enjoy that cooperative, you know, interplay that you have with your partner. I think the drafting is is fun, but I did feel like you said, you know, it wasn't as crunchy of a decision towards the end as it was in the beginning. Because mm-hmm. in the beginning, you're setting up your strategies at the end. You're just trying to fulfill them. Right, right. Even in the beginning, like you could really go with anything and yeah. then you just had to stick with it. OK, this is the plan. We're going to go with it. And then you can yep. it's kind of luck based on whether you get those tiles that meet the objectives yep. or not. Yeah, agreed. What are you coming in at? I'm coming in at seven and a half. I liked it quite a bit. I I always have fun playing it. It's easy. I like that it plays a high level. I like the theme. I like tile lane. I like a lot of it. A lot about it. I just don't think it's does. It doesn't have a lot of tension, so I just don't love it. 
you know, it, it's, it kind of plays itself. It's very obvious what, you know, eventually what you're going to play, what you're looking for. You know, there's some interesting, I like working with other people, but it's not, doesn't make it that interesting. It's, it's very enjoyable, very lovely. Um, you don't have a lot to complain about it, but it's not, it doesn't have that tension that I really like in games. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is going to be a game for newer players. I think people with higher player counts, I think people who like, you know, a gateway style tile laying drafting game. I think this is going to be a solid choice. I think Jamie does a fantastic job streamlining stuff and making things easy with score sheets and, you know, reference cards. And it, so goes I, up to, I, it goes up to seven, which is really high. Yeah. Yeah. It plays a high number and it plays a high number well to the point where once you kind of like teach people and they kind of see how things are scored, it's pretty intuitive. So you don't, there's not a whole lot of teaching in this game. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think if you like those kinds of style of games, I think this game is going to be a game that you're really going to enjoy. So that is Between Two Castles of the Mad King Ludwig. All right. Next up, I want to talk about Super Mega Lucky Box. So Super <laughs> Mega Lucky name. Box. <laughs> I mean, come on, people. <laughs> okay. Super Mega Lucky Box is a roll and write game. Technically flip. There's a deck of cards. And right game. So the the deck of cards consists of the numbers one through nine, and each number is in there twice. So you shuffle up the cards, and then you pick out nine of them. So each round, you're only going to flip over nine random cards. So you could flip over, you know, four numbers two times, and then some of the numbers no times. You know, so you don't know which cards you're going to get each round. You might go the whole game and never flip over a four. And then the start of the game, you're going to get uh, five five different uh, box five different cards that have a three by three box of numbers in them. You're going to pick three of them that you're going to play with. And then as the cards get flipped over, so if you know, flip over a two, then you pick any of your twos on any of your boxes, if you have any and cross it off. Once you complete a row of three or a column of three, usually there's a benefit at, at the bottom of it or the side of it. It might be another number that you get to cross off, maybe a wild number, or you can collect these moons or for end game scoring, or you can collect these little uh, lightning bolts. Lightning bolts let you add or subtract numbers from the tiles that are flipped. That lets you, you know, be able to fill in more of your boxes, which are really important. Each round, uh, you'll score points for each card that you've completed. You know, the whole three by three grid that's complete, you'll score points. And at the beginning of the game, you score a lot more points than you do at the end of the game. So you want to try to complete at least one of those cards at the first round and at least one of the second round. It's easier to complete them at the end because at that point you've played, you're going to continue with those cards each round. Each round you'll draft another card to add to your set that you can play in front of you. And you'll score points for the moons you have. You'll score points any stars you've collected each round. If you get a couple stars each round, you can get more points that way. Um, And that's kind of the whole game. So what makes this game fun is is the luckiness of the card flip. So kind of towards the end or maybe at the end of each round, you're really hoping to get a three, but you've got two lightning bolts. So you could take a one or two or four or five. And so you're really hoping to get that one card that lets you complete the card. So there really is a lot of luck in this game with what the cards that are going to flip over are what you need. You know, each, each card that you have in front of you, the three by three grid, they're a random assortment of numbers. So you may have like a couple different, 
numbers in there that are duplicates and none of the lower numbers. And if you're flipping over those lower numbers, then you have to spend lightning bolts to fill up that card. But you've got a few cards in front of you, so you don't have to spend those lightning bolts. But you really want to focus on completing a, a whole card as early as you can. So it's just, it's you've got some really good decisions, but a really simple game. It looks very colorful. It reminds me of like 1980s, early 90s kind of like vibe to it. It looks like Schoolhouse Rock. Yes. Is what it looks yep. like. Yeah. Yeah. The art is really cheeky and cute. It's just numbers. So there's no like, there's no fun, like fake theme. It's it's really just numbers. And they did it in that Schoolhouse Rock font, I guess, with like uh, bubbly letters and colorful it's, you know, a yellow background, really bright colors. That's all it is. Bright colors and a fun schoolhouse rock font to it. It's, it's, and it's, it's designed by Phil Walker Harding, like I said. So it's really just, and designed, it published by Game Right. So it's really light, really easy to teach, really lucky. You know, there's the card flips and stuff, but also choices. Like, you know, if you spend two lightning bolts to, finally cross off that four and then the next card that flips over is a four you're like ah i shouldn't have done that but you just don't know you really wanted to complete that card so i think the fun is the, is the luck of the card flip and hoping that you just get lucky and sometimes you do but there's also skill involved like you know you're gonna get better at the game the more you play it because you do want to complete those early for the most amount of points yeah that completing early thing kind of reminds me a little bit of like the castles of burgundy like if you complete a region early you're going to score more points than if you complete a region later that sort yes. of thing yeah i think this is a very approachable game that they could sell at target and just about anybody could pick it up and play it i highly recommend this as a welcoming game as just a type of game that really belongs in like everybody's home like this should be the game that we played growing up instead of yahtzee you know yeah this is what Yahtzee, this is like the next version of Yahtzee, right? You got some fun choices, It's but there's a lot of luck, you know, so you can play with anybody. You can play with kids and grandparents and, and it's fun. It's colorful. It's got, it's a roll and write, you know, it comes with markers. So you don't, you're not using a bunch of paper. I would try it. It looks, it looks interesting. And I don't know if maybe it like tugs on the nostalgia strings of Schoolhouse Rock for me slightly or whatever, but yeah, it just has all those like old school, like reading Rainbow, you know, all those old school kind of. Very 90s, early 90s, yeah. late 80s yeah. feel to it. Yeah. Makes it's... me feel like I'm in third grade again, trying to like figure numbers out. <laughs> <laughs> Doing multiplication. Yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. You know, there wasn't much to the game. It's very rules light, very simple, very fun, very lucky. Uh, but. But just fun, like easy, fun, interesting, like what's coming up? Oh, am I going to get what I need? That's fun. You know, you don't. Yeah, you're not you're not making you're, you are making decisions, you know, like should I take cross off the nine on this other board that I'm not working on? Or should I use a lightning bolt and cross off the seven that I am working on? Like those are really that you sit there and stare at your board and really think like, oh, because it, it matters. But like. You don't know how much it matters because it's the luck of the next card that comes up. You might just flip over that seven next time, you know, or maybe you're going to flip over a six. So you don't need to use one lightning bolt. So do you use, you have two lightning bolts. Do you use it to get the seven, complete this grid, know you'll get it this turn, or do you wait for the next card and see if it's something closer, you know, and, th and there's a lot of tension. 
but it all comes down to luck. But it's fun. You know the problem I'm going to have with this game is I'm going to play it and I'm undoubtedly going to make the wrong decision. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to take that nine. And then next card, you know, nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to just going to guess wrong every single time. Guaranteed. But that's fine. Then you're like, ah, you know, it, I think it's aptly named Super Mega Lucky Box. It's just a box. Yeah. And it really is lucky, but it's fun. So. The best part is, like, they have scorecards, and they're called Super Mega Scorecards. Oh, yeah. They're really, like, they're really leaning into that. <laughs> super Mega? I don't know where the Super Mega comes in, but I definitely know where the Lucky Box comes in. Yeah. yeah. There's a. It looks like there's a newer version, too, that has slightly more updated artwork. Maybe that's just a different manufacturer. I don't know. Either way, I'd give it a There's go. It's an I'd app too. You can check out the app. But I think it. I think it'd be more fun to play with people than on the app. Yeah, I'd try it. All right. Well, that's super mega lucky box. Definitely check it out. I think it'd be a great gift to give, like a a, a preteen that age group. You could probably play it with kids too. A family game. Be a great gift. Great to play with a lot of people. I don't think you can say anything bad about this game. It's just good fun. All right, that's going to wrap up the games we are reviewing this week. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be doing a top 10 list. Well, I'm going to be doing a top 10 list. I'm going to be doing my top 10 cooperative games. All right, welcome back. In today's discussion topic, we, I, will be discussing... My top 10 cooperative style games. And I'll give commentary. Yeah, this is going to be reversed to some of the last top 10 lists that Natasha has given. She will be the one providing the uh, the commentary. I will be the one providing the list. And I do have, I could do a top three cooperative games. There are about three that I like. <laughs> and I top. think one of them will for sure not be on your list. So I will talk about that one that I like. <laughs> your top three. Oh my God. This was actually quite a bit harder than I thought it was going to be especially towards the end, trying to pick between some of these. I will say there are, there are going to be some caveats when I made this list, and I want to kind of get those out of the way. Number one, anything that's semi-cooperative, I did not include. Uh, so the two examples I can think of that would probably make a top 10 list for me that did not would be a game like Nemesis and a game like Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. And those games, while, yes, there are cooperative pieces to it, the part of the fun of those games in particular, at least for me, is knowing that there's probably some sort of traitor or somebody's not doing everything exactly for you, that sort of thing. And because of that, I excluded it from this list. Yeah, I could easily make a top, at least top five games of like cooperative games with a traitor. Like I like those a lot. (laughs) Yeah, those are, that's like, I feel like that is its own list. Mm -hmm. It's its own entity. Yeah. Because it, 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 the feel is different. In a cooperative game, me and the other p- players are trying to win, and we're trying to do everything we can to make the best decisions possible. Whereas in a semi-cooperative style game, very rarely are people... There's some like, oh, what are you going to do? That sort of thing. But it's not even remotely the same as, let's say, a cooperative style game. Mm-hmm. You know, There's a little bit like, oh, maybe we need to figure this out, that, that sort of thing. People just point out stuff that needs to get taken care of. Like in Dead of Winter, they're like, we have a lot of trash. My turn's done. You know, somebody it's somebody else's problem to take out the trash, that sort of thing. So because of that, they're not included. They're out. Not going to put them in there. All right. So let's get started. 
my number 10 cooperative style game is Black Orchestra. This is a, a World War II um, cooperative style game. And it's if you've ever seen the movie Valkyrie with Tom Cruise, it's basically like that, where uh, players are going to be taking on the roles of Germans trying to basically assassinate Hitler before World War II gets too out of control. In this game, you're gonna, like I said, you're gonna be play, playing people that were part of Operation Valkyrie. There, you're going to be, you know, trying to manage the suspicion that's on you. You're there's gonna be, you're trying to, you know, people might get arrested. You're trying to get people out of jail in order to continue moving forward. The map opens up later on as the events happen. It's very historic as far as like the different events. Like one of the things that one of the cards you can pull is like German invades Poland which is, you know, very, you know, big piece of the early parts of like World War II. Although there's going to be a lot of World War II buffs there. It's like, that's, that's incorrect, Bob. I don't know. I'm not a World War II guy. Um, but I do really like this game. You know, it's set in 1936. You're, again, just trying to fulfill Operation Valkyrie for the most part. That's, that's going to be the theme of it. Well, who doesn't want to kill Hitler? I mean... Right, exactly. It's kind of a cool theme. I do, I do like the historical theme. You know, everyone's familiar with it, so it's interesting. The theme is what really I think sells this game for me. That said, it's kind of a game that can be difficult to get to the table because it is a it's it is a mature theme. I will say that it is not it is not a theme that's you know whimsical and like oh it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like no, it definitely takes itself seriously. Yeah, it's very much a like a a, dar- a darker theme game. So if you don't like that, then I don't know if this would necessarily be the game for you, but I do enjoy it. And I think part of it is because of that theme. So my number 10 is Black Orchestra. My number nine is Flashpoint Fire Rescue. This is a game in which you're going to be um, firefighters putting out a fire. The, the main goal is to put out the, manage the fire as much as you can while going into a house and rescuing tokens. The tokens are kind of face down. You know, there's a certain amount of people that you need to try to get out of the burning building. You can, you know, chop through walls, which will make paths easier. But the problem is, after if you chop down the wall, it like basically makes the structure less, lowers the integrity of the structure, which makes it, that's one of the conditions for losing is if you place so many damage cubes onto the board, then the building collapsed and there's nothing else you can do. I, again, this one, the theme kind of really drew me in because it's it's not a theme you see that very often playing, let's say, a firefighter. It very much follows that like pandemic system where, you know, you take a turn, you're going to be, you know, then you're going to be doing so many actions. You know, you can do this action, you can do that action. But I think what's interesting with the game is you create smoke, and if a fire hits next to smoke, then all the smoke ignites. There can be um, hazards in the house that will explode. Like you could end up having like explosive hazards in the bathroom or whatever, and if it hits that particular spot, it'll explode. It's I think it's really interesting. I think it's a cool system. The way the fire moves throughout the house is random. You're just rolling a couple sets of dice, and it's going to be hitting specific quadrants in the game or on the on the board. I don't know. I really like this game. I think it hasn't been talked about in a long time. I have played this game quite a few times with my family. We had it for a little bit. 
And the theme is really strong and they do a really good job of you feel like you're firefighters. You feel like you're going in the way the fire moves and spreads feels very real, right? The way yep. it kind of causes explosions. It's really cool. And you're right. They're building down. You can knock down the walls to get to things easier. You know, you, you're rescuing people. The goal is to rescue so many people. It does really work. I just have a hard time with this style of game, like caring about it. I I, I don't really know how to articulate that. I think it's just. I don't know, like you just it ends up coming down to like the way you roll. Like, are you going to clear up the right fires based on the rolls that are coming out next? Very similar to pandemic. OK, we can clear this one or we can clear this one. Which one do you think is going to pop up? Well, I don't know. It's, I just have a hard time like investing myself in these games. And I don't know why. It is based on random rolls, right? So you're going to be randomly just seeing what happens, you know, round to round to round. But. What is the difference between a game like this where you're just rolling for random events and then the, you know, lucky super mega box, you know, conjunction junction. What's, you know, with that, it's random too because you're flipping over time, flipping over the cards and you kind of just get what you get. Because I don't know, there's just something like fun about that. Like, because everybody like doesn't want you to do that. You're like, yes, I get it. And they're like, no, man, you do get it. We're like everybody together. Like, we're all like, yes, we get if we we got lucky. We rolled this dice. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. But to me, one of them's fun and one of them's not. Hmm. And I, I, I can't I wish I could articulate it. Why? I just don't think they're interesting. The bum thing, the one thing about Flashpoint Fire Rescue that I think bums me out is I have not played it in a few years and it almost didn't make this list. It would like bump out some other things, but I think it's a really cool family friendly theme, especially because you're firefighters. You're going in there, yes. you're rescuing cats, you're rescuing people. I think it's it would be really good. good. For the, the theme really comes out. If you have a kid interested in firefighting, yes, 100%. This is a great, yep. great game. It's the same, like, I have the same feeling for like, and I like the simpler ones, the co-op games like Forbidden Island. I enjoy playing that with my kids a lot. But it's not a game that like I get. I just don't feel the tension in the game like I do in non-cooperative games. Or not even non-cooperative yep. games, but it's where it just kind of comes down to not really the decisions we make. But yeah, I don't know why it's just not as interesting to me. I think for me, the randomness provides, okay, these dice, these dice were rolled. This is what happens. I have to react to what's happening. Because I almost look at it as opposed to this thing's coming up. Like, what's going to happen with this thing? Like, no, I can't care about that thing that's coming up. Like, I know I'm going to roll dice. And I know something's going to happen. I don't know what. And I can't control that. What I can do is I can try to put myself in the best situation now with where I'm at to try to, like, mitigate as much stuff as I can. Mm -hmm. So I'm reacting to what happened last turn, not what's happening, going to happen the following turn, if that makes sense. And I think, like... Spirit Island does a really good job of like giving you a, an idea of what's coming next. You know what I mean? Yes. So you can better yes. prepare for that. Okay, I know the fire is going to come in this area. It's going to spread in this area. So I'm going to take care of this area. But when you have two areas that are both out of control and you got to decide which one to clean up, you, you don't know where it's going to spread. I just, it's like, well, whatever. I don't think the decisions are that interesting. It's like, I guess, whatever one I'm closest to. Well, it's like fighting a real fire. You just never know. You just never know what's going to go. Yeah, but it's still know. a really good game. And if you like cooperative games, then like this is a great one to do. Yeah, it definitely it beat out some games that I thought were going to. But like I said, the bum deal is I just I Ashley doesn't really like it too much. She said she would try it again. But I don't know. I really I don't know. I really like the game. 
I mean, you can be in a you can be in a fire truck and you can shoot water into sections. Like, come on. It's there's cool. expansions. Yeah, there's expansions which go from houses to like you could do garages. You can do all sorts of stuff, and they have a whole unique set of problems. Yeah. Anyway, I like it. I like Flashpoint. My number nine, Flashpoint Fire Rescue. My number eight cooperative game is Marvel Champions. So this is a living card game by Fantasy Flight, and it's basically Marvel. You're playing. Iron Man, Spider-Man, you're playing Thor, Doctor Strange, that sort of thing. And it's one of those systems that they've taken like Arkham Horror, the card game, and somewhat made it slightly easier to get into because you can just buy pre-made decks. You take, you know, Spider-Man's deck and you put put it with aggression. You shuffle them up. That's what you're going to fight against. And then, you know, you can adjust the difficulty of the people you're fighting because you get a person, you get some... um background traits some different things like side plots that are get mixed in that sort of thing so you can kind of make adjustments to make these people um the villains slightly more difficult to play slightly easier to play there's there's different types of difficulty ratings on the card so you can mix and match quite a few things if i had a critique about this game that is i wish they would do is they've released a ton of hero packs like a ton of hero packs, but the boss packs aren't nearly as abundant as the hero packs. Like you have so many decisions on who the heroes are going to be, what hero you're going to be, but it, you have less decisions about who you're fighting. Like now there's quite a few, like you have a lot more decisions now than like early on in the process, but some of them I just kind of, I don't know, towards the end, I kind of just stopped caring about. So I don't necessarily have everything for this game, but I really like the system. I like how, more streamlined it is than the Arkham Horror system because again you just if you want to deck build you can but you know just shuffle aggression in with this or you know protection or leadership you just shuffle them in and you can play you're flipping your card back and forth I think the artwork's fantastic in this game I think I would I would be willing to try this one I, I like Marvel a lot and I do like card games a lot I'm, I'm not rolling into like collectible card games or living card games but um I do think there's interesting like playing card games cooperatively. I I like that a little bit more than like you know pandemic flashpoint style games. Interesting. I would love to get let you give this a try then. We should play it. We should play it. If you if you're down, I I have a decent amount of stuff. I I'd, I'd love for you to try this game out. I've played it quite a bit solo, so I would uh, it would be nice to play it with more people. I would try it. I'm not saying that I would like it, but I would try it. All I'm asking you to do is try cooperative games. I'm not saying you got to like them. I'm, all I'm asking for is a try here. All, all, right. Right, all right. All right. My number eight, Marvel Champions. My number seven, Natasha. I apologize now. I apologize right now. My number seven cooperative game is The Crew. Seven? It is. Number yeah. seven? Yeah, yeah, it's this seven. This is my number one game. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, we all know. We all know this, this is your this favorite. This could card. be my number one game of all time. It could, it could inch out overside. That's how much I love this game. Yeah, I love it too. And it's probably, I find it interesting making top ten lists because they, for me, making a top ten cooperative list is not me basing it off ratings. If that makes sense. So my number seven could be a 10, but my number three could be a nine. And like that doesn't make sense, I don't think. But to me, it does because 
I'm not basing it off how I think overall the game is. I'm basing it off the idea that it is a cooperative style game. If I want to sit down and play a co-op game right now, this would be my list. I would. This would be my first choice, my second choice, my third choice, my fourth choice. Mm, if you're in the mood for co-op, hmm. Correct. Hmm. Where the crew, the crew feels more like a trick-taking game. Oh, it's also it's co-op. Right. So I'm not basing this off of my rating of the game or how much I love the game. I'm basing it off if I was going to make somebody's going to be like, hey, Bob, tell me the 10 best co-op games. This is how I would structure my list. You know, maybe See, I would cr- do I would do all the co-op games that I like and how much I like them. So the crew will be number one. Yeah, I didn't do it that way. Maybe that maybe that I should do it that way. I don't know. When I approach these lists, I don't do it that way. Sometimes it's hard to rank stuff from one day to the next, if that makes sense. Like if you've ever done like a top 100 list and you have a ton of games you need to get through and you have to do like 7,000 comparisons. So you start doing them and you get through like 2,000 and you're just like, all right, I'm done for today. And you come back the next day and then all of a sudden you're just like, why is this so low? It just, <laughs> you know, like it's just those little things. Anyway, uh, the crew, it's a cooperative trick taking game where you guys are just trying to complete objectives. The one I'm specifically referring to is Deep Sea. I like that one slightly better than uh, the search for planet nine, the quest for planet nine, the quest for, I don't know, regardless, the crew, the deep sea is the version I like. I like those uh, objective cards slightly better than the original version, but either both versions are good. Again, it turns that trick taking idea and kind of flips it on its head a little bit, which I really like. So my number seven, the crew, deep sea mission. Natasha's probably number one cooperative game of all time. Yeah, 100%. My number six cooperative game is going to be Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. I uh, had a chance to play through this campaign with my wife. It was just me and her. We There was two characters we did not play, and we're talking about going back and replaying it with those two additional characters. I really like how Jaws of the Lion approaches Gloomhaven in a teaching sense where the first handful of games, they're just teaching you the basic mechanics and then they you get the, the, into the full game a little bit later after a few plays. I really enjoy that. I like the Gloomhaven system uh, with that card play and how the monsters can be upgraded and everything like that. I think it's a really solid system. I can see why Gloomhaven has been so high up, you know, on Board Game Geek, you know, being the number one game for a while. I really like this version. I tried playing the big version, but it was a little too overwhelming. So something like this is a nice, nice compromise. I I feel like I have to try this. Like it's just so popular, and I can't like not have an opinion about this. I'm, but I'll never like commit to playing an entire series. Like that's just not going to happen. I am interested in trying the the app version or the the wherever it's at, like online. You know, you know, just to try it because it'd be quick and easy and. But I just don't think I'd get invested in it, so I wouldn't get the full experience. I think I really do need to play it on a table, see if I like it. I think there's a lot of, from what I gather, there's some strategy and good decisions. But I just don't like dungeon crawls, and I don't like the, that fantasy theme. So, But I feel like I have to try it. There's a decent amount going on with the mechanics that I think... Because you value mechanics over everything else. So I think... I, I think there's feel a like ch- the decisions I'm making are really interesting. Like... You know what I mean? And not just like, yep. well, whatever, I'll just do whatever and see. we'll see what happens if that was the right decision or not. Like, I feel like I want to set myself up and make really good decisions and choose, make really good choices, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I think you'd like it. 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think you'd like it. So that just add that to the list of games we need to play. Mm-hmm. It's just a hard one to like. Can you just play it once and get a good feel mm-hmm. of it? No, because the that's the downfall. The positive and the downfall are the same thing. That is, it takes several games to get up to the full rule set. So you won't, you won't, the first game is very limited rules. And by the time you get to game like three or four, you have all the rules. Because part of the, one of the things is you can charge up certain actions with like elemental power, that sort of thing. You can get like elements on this board. Um, That isn't in the beginning. It takes several games even to get into that. And based on those types of things, it can impact the cards that you play. So I think you would need to, I think you would need to have a game day and just say, all right, we're going to play through several Mm, I, I think I'm going to give up on this this dream. It's not happening. That sounds way too much of a commitment. You, you will. I'll just believe you. We'll just have. At least you have an opinion on it. I don't even know what to say to that. I think you should try it. That's all I'm saying. Sure. If I have a whole day of my life that I can just devote to playing one game, we have a convention coming up. You can do it. All right. So that's number six. Gloomhaven draws of the lion. My number five is going to be pandemic. And the specific one that I chose to put on this list is Pandemic Iberia. I think of all the pandemics, I think I like that version the best. It is uh, Spain and Portugal. And you're basically, you know, doctors trying to cure diseases. It's the same sort of system as Pandemic. There's some different things that you can do. For example, you can purify water. So you're going to be putting water tokens in specific zones. So then if a cube comes out, you can actually take care of, you can use a water token to stop the cube from coming out. There, you are trying to develop a railroad system so you can get to the different cities faster. Like one of the actions you can do is lay railroad track in order to speed up getting to different spots. Then you can just, you know, start at one end and zoom all the way over to the other end if you've laid enough track down. Um, There's a couple different modules too, like cubes can start moving towards like hospitals that you've built. So it is taking the pandemic system and it's kind of expanded upon it. I really like what it does. I like that version, like I said, the best of all the pandemic versions. I did not include like any of the legacy style games, partly because I wanted this list to be games that I could just sit down and play right now. Like the legacy style game, I just, I would, it's kind of slightly more difficult to get those in. I think pandemic the same way of like flashpoint exactly the same opinions of it. I think it's completely fine. Of course, I love the legacy, but I love the legacy because of the legacy part, like and the game mechanics are fine. And I have a lot of fun playing it with my family. You know, I don't know that I'd have that much fun playing it with other people besides my family. I don't know why I think it's just doesn't feel like that much tension for me, you know, where I don't have that. When I play with my family, I go in for, with a totally different experience. This is going to be fun. We're all going to enjoy this together. I'm not trying to go in and have like this really interesting game experience that I would have with my friends, right? Where it's filled with tension and I'm sitting on the edge of my seat hoping that things work out. Like I just don't have that same mindset when I play games with my family. So I really enjoy Pandemic Legacy for the family aspect of spending time with my family part of it and the opening things up and unlocking things. But yeah, it's the same complaint i have with fire rescue it's like well i just don't feel like the choices we make are that interesting because it really just depends on what comes up next and i'm like oh no that's red okay i guess we're dying i don't know (laughs) i did i did enjoy the star wars one i thought that was fun clone wars yeah yeah, for the game but i still wouldn't be a game that i'd be like we should play this 
Not just not my style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I like them. So my number five, Pandemic Iberia. A lot of people do. I, I'm in the minority here. You are indeed. All right. My number four cooperative game is going to be Arkham Horror, the living card game. This is the LCG of LCGs, I guess. It, there's a lot of content for it. Your investigators doing the Cthulhu thing, going through the Cthulhu mythos, like trying to manage your madness, trying to manage your health. This game I play primarily solo. I've been wanting to to try it out with some additional players, but it, again, it's one of those games that I've always kind of played solo. It's hard. It's not super easy. The deck There is some deck building in this. It's not as streamlined as, let's say, Marvel Champions, but I think what they've able to do with the story and make, how robust they've made it and how interesting some of the cards and everything like that they've done, the way you can interact with the diff- different environment cards, how they go to different spots. It just everything they've done, been able to do with this game, I've really enjoyed. Um, yeah. I don't think I'll ever try this one. Yeah, I don't think you will either. Mm-mm. If you're going to pick a version to play, I think Marvel Champions is the game that you should try. Yeah, for sure. I like that theme a lot better. I really don't like the Arkham Horror world. I do, though. My number four, Arkham Horror LCG. My number three cooperative game is going to be uh, Sleeping Gods by Red Raven Games. This is a gigantic open world cooperative game. You're on a, a boat called the Manticore. You're managing the crew. You're stopping at islands, interacting with them, you know, trying to find a way back home. You've been you know, transported to a different world. Now you're just trying to get back. And the whole part of the game is just journeying around this gigantic map, trying to figure out a way back home, just trying to survive. You're managing each crew member with the things that they're holding, the different items, if they're, you know, you know, fatigued, if they're not fatigued, that sort of thing. You're making skill checks. You're just, you're making decisions based on the story. Um, I really like this game. I think he's done a fantastic job with Sleeping Gods. I when I reviewed this game with my wife, I gave it a ten. I really loved it. So yeah, it had to be on my cooperative list. Is this another one that you really need to like, kind of invest time in into getting through it? So the way this works, if there's one gripe I have, like you don't, it's not like you have a bunch of like scenarios or whatever. You just play until you've either like until you've reached the end game, and you're gonna be basically going through like an event deck. And once you kind of like get through everything is when it like triggers the end game and it just kind of happens. So you could sit like we've played through, you know, a certain part of the event deck and then we'll stop and then we'll come back the following day and play. So the track like one play of it is kind of difficult, but it is very much a story driven thing. You're reading a lot of excerpts. I don't think you'll like it because it's story driven. Like you're Mm -hmm. you're reading a lot from a book. And as we all know. That is you not the thing. You yeah. I, you, yeah. Would you sit and listen while I read it? That Yes, you would. I, I mean, I would, but then I'd rather just like sit on the couch and listen to a book instead of sitting at a table and trying to play a board game and getting interrupted by story time every five minutes. Just vibe on the couch. Got it. Yeah, that I enjoy. I'll sit down and listen to a book. I don't know. I really like this game. I think the story is really good. There's so much content in just the base box that it's just really difficult to find it all. It really is like you, you really have to be on the move getting stuff done. So my number three sleeping gods, my number two, 
favorite cooperative game. Do you know what it is? Do you know what my one and two are? One of them's got to be the Return to Dark Tower. The other one's got to be Spirit Island. So I'm going to say your number two is Spirit Island. My number two is Return to Dark Tower. Oh, dang it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My number one. So I'll just do my one and two since she named them. Yeah. My number two is Return to Dark Tower. My number one, Spirit Island. Uh, Return to Dark Tower. This game, I played a ton as a kid. I loved it. Um, And then they came out with the new version. And my wife and I have played it a ton of times. I still keep coming back to it because I keep enjoying it. Like I, I like the the decisions. I like the advantage systems. I like being able to see, you know, how we can get through stuff. The expansion helps with adding some new dimension to the game that I really like. I yeah, Return to Dark Tower. I love this game. I mean, you're dropping skulls in a tower and seeing what happens. A tower's the worst most of the time, but in a good way, I guess maybe. I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm being really giddy this whole episode, like being mean. I got nothing good to say. I didn't think you would. So people <laughs> can see your true colors now. For those in the audience, it is taken this many episodes. It took up till episode 83 for you guys to really see how Natasha is. This is how she is. Always the negative Nancy. I'm really Ooh, I not, like but I feel like it. I, I do want to try this one because everybody does love it. it. It's the theme that turns me off, but I'll I'll try it maybe. I don't know okay. if you'll like it very much. Yeah, then maybe I won't. I think it has enough in it that I think you you might like it. I don't know. I think I think you might. I think you might enjoy it. I wouldn't necessarily take it off the table just yet. It's so. at least it's not too overwhelming or too involved. I could play one game of it, get a good feel for it, and have yes. an opinion, Pretty which much. is nice. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So my number two, Return to Dark Tower, and then like I've already said, my number one favorite cooperative game is Spirit Island. I love Spirit Island. It is a game that just oozes with theme. They're the the things that they've been able to do with the game is is a very deep, complex, cooperative style game. I think Natasha doesn't hate this one, and I think part of it is it's really difficult for all three players to sit and just openly talk about what's going to happen. Sometimes it's something as simple as, hey, can you take care of this this area that's going to get ravaged this upcoming turn? Yes or no? Yeah, I don't. At the end of the day, I don't care how you're going to figure it out because I don't know what cards you have in your hand. Mm-hmm. As long as you're like, yeah, I can take care of this. I can take care of that. Cool. I'm going to do my own thing. I can probably do this. It's one of those weird games where you are cooperatively trying to solve or trying to stop the invaders from spreading, but it's very difficult to know exactly what everyone's going to be doing round to round to round because of the cards that they have in their hand and the special Mm -hmm. powers they have in their board. I feel like it falls in the same line as Pandemic and Flashpoint, but less family friendly it's very heavy it's very rules heavy it's very complicated and i like that because i like that about it i've only played it once and i really liked the card play and i spend the most of my time focusing on getting the card play correct so like the overarching like rules of the game with how the 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 um invaders were going to come out that was a little overwhelming to me you know and i didn't quite grasp it so i'd have to play it a couple more times before i can have a true opinion on it but i did like I liked how complicated the choices were. I liked the card play and the mechanics of the game. And I liked the theme a lot. Yeah, the theme is the theme's cool. 
And like I said, everything has theme, even like the spirits that you're playing with, the unique names, the cards that you're going to be drawing. All of it just kind of comes together in this really awesome package. That said, it is heavy. It is a heavy cooperative style game. Mm -hmm. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. If you don't necessarily like heavy games, it's not that that's not your jam. I wouldn't try Spirit Island. Yeah. Even just the base game Spirit Island is pretty complex. And then once you start adding in some of the expansions that add different like rules for tokens and different things like that, it's mm-hmm. probably gonna be a bit much for people who like who don't like super complex games. I like that you get information about what's coming next so you can kind of prepare. Like if you've got two bad areas and you wanna know which one to clean up, go to the one that's coming up next. That makes most sense. So I like the choices that you're making. I like that you work together and like kind of divide and conquer, right? Instead of like everybody making everybody's decision, you're all, I got this area, I got this area, and I got this area. I like that a lot. I would definitely, I'm definitely interested in playing this one a few more times and just trying to get, trying to wrap my head around it just because it is so complex. It requires a few plays, but in a good way. I, I like it. It's, it's one of my, it's my favorite of that style of cooperative games. Nice. Yeah, I mean, because you do know what's going to be happening because you do see who, which, where ravages are going to happen, where builds are going to happen. The only thing you don't see is where the invaders are going to be invading into next. Mm-hmm. But honestly, by the time you're ravaging and building stuff, it really doesn't matter. Like they're coming in at, and that's the least of your concerns. Mm-hmm. Like you don't care. Oh, they're going to, pro- they could invade in the sand. It honestly does not matter to me. Like I'm too busy worrying about it ravaging in the, you know, wetlands and they're building in the forests to care about where they're going to invade into next. That's yeah, a future me the, problem. It's got the right amount of like things to worry about. It feels heavy. It feels like your decisions matter. Your card play is interesting. You've got, you know, the luck of what you're drawing combined with like, you you know, putting the cards together it, it's good it's a, it's good that style yeah you know, it's my favorite so my number one favorite cooperative game of all time as of this recording is going to be spirit island and that mm-hmm. right there is my top 10 cooperative games list so you did leave off one of my favorite cooperative games which is the fuse i love that one uh, get out of here that's where you're rolling dice and everyone's like grabbing dice to fulfill like their cards and you want to it's you play it in 10 minutes. So you got to be really fast and you can't play with polite people because polite people are like, oh, I really need that six. Does anybody else need it? No, no. You got to play with people who are decisive. And like, I'm taking the six and they take it because they need it. And you just got to be quick. And if you're one that you're like, I can take any dice, then just let everybody else take it. But you got to make quick decisions and it's real time and I like it. I like it better than like Magic Maze. That one's a little trickier. See, I think one of our friends put it quite simply. It's really hard to play that game with uh, people from the Midwest, which is because <laughs> it's just like, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Did you want that dice? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry, guy. Sorry. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. you no, just have, have to be aggressive. You have to be like, I need that dice. I'm taking it. And then aggressive. Be, if you're aggressive, if you have more options, then you can be the last person to draft a dice because you can take whatever. So if, if you're one that if you're picky and you need a specific dice and you just have to be aggressive and taking that like. Yeah, that's it's it's hard for people from the Midwest, I think, to play that style of game. <laughs> Everyone's just like, no, I don't need it. I continue, you know, whatever. I'll get the next die. Whatever. You take that one. Like, just take the dice. We got to move on. Yeah. It's fun. Mm hmm. 
yeah, I tried it once and it's just, I don't think I like real time. So I'd give it another go. I'll try it again. It's got the fun puzzliness of it. Like you, yeah, it's just all totally random and the dice rolls and you just gotta, you need what you need, but you know, you, so you want to set yourself up where you have cards where you have easy ones and, and hard ones so that you don't have all hard ones at the same time. It's frantic. It's frantic. a very frantic game, but it's only 10 minutes, and then you can breathe after 10 minutes because you actually set a timer for 10 minutes. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. I, I like my list. My top 10 list is solid. All right. Thanks for listening to Our Shenanigans. Join us next week again. Please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook, and please send us any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans.com. We love getting emails from you guys. So thanks, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>